Hey everyone, this is Jackknife. Welcome to another bonus episode of The Cutting Edge 2023-24 weekly New York Rangers recap. The first real downer episode of the season as the Rangers lost two of the three games that I'm going to recap to you this week. They're still in first place with a 19-7-1 record, but this is their first real rut of the season. Of course, after I have a positive episode about the New York Jets, Karma had to make things right and give me a negative episode about the Rangers, who lost to the Capitals badly, beat the Kings good, but then lost to the Maple Leafs badly. Now, I think after this recent stretch and 17 games to start the season for Igor, we can now reasonably be concerned for him. At first, he was just playing okay. Not really up to par for his standard. He missed some time with an injury. But the past three games he started in really have you scratching your head. Sure, it's not all his fault. But even the eye test will have you asking, will the real Igor Shesterkin please stand up? Well, well, we'll get into that later. First, let's recap the game against the Washington Capitals on Saturday. First game against Washington for coach Peter Laviolette after he and the Caps quote-unquote mutually agreed to part ways after last season. Washington off to a surprising start this year in the second wildcard spot at the time of this recording. No Barkley Goodrow after he got a puck to the face against the Senators. Friendly fire from Keandre Miller. And in net was Charlie Lindgren, brother of Ryan Lindgren. The first time in their careers they faced off against each other in one game. Heading into this game, the Rangers hadn't lost two games in a row yet this season. They were coming off a bad loss to the Ottawa Senators on Tuesday. Well, unfortunately, it was bound to happen at some point. The Rangers were handed their first losing streak of the season. It was bad from the start as the Capitals possessed the puck the entire first minute and the Rangers were just puck watching. Sonny Milano was hit with a pass down low and with a large gaping empty net. Nothing Igor could really do but die for it and pray he'd get a piece of it. He went not. The cap struck early. After that shift, seems seemed to settle down, but the Rangers could not break through. Best chance they got were best chances they got were an Alexi Lafreniere one timer near the circle, but it was shot more towards the far side of the net that Charlie Lindgren didn't have to move far for, unlike Igor on the first Capitals goal. And Chris Kreider getting a pass at the doorstep of a gaping net that he did not receive cleanly to tap in. The Capitals also had another prime opportunity when Tom Wilson stripped the puck from Braden Schneider in the Rangers' zone and set up Alex Ovechkin for a breakaway. Igor stood tall there, chaos ensued, but the puck was frozen on the side of the net. Washington took the 1-0 lead into intermission and outshot the Rangers 12-8. The Caps also had a power play that would carry over. On south power play, Igor robbed one of the Capitals with a great save on his back. The Rangers killed off the remainder of the power play. Well, normally that would be good news. You know your penalty kills having an off night when they give up a power play goal to the worst power play in the league. Well, they might as well have given it up to the worst power play in the league because one, maybe two seconds after the power play expired, Evgeny Kuznetsov hit Anthony Mantha down low all by himself and he put a deflection past Igor on the doorstep to put the Capitals up 2-0. Oh boy, it's going to be one of those games again. Just about four minutes later... After an Artemi Panarin turnover in the capital zone, Wilson and Ovechkin took the puck up ice for a two-on-one because apparently the Rangers hadn't given up enough of those already lately. This story doesn't end the way you think it does. No, Ovechkin didn't score. Instead, it was Wilson who rocketed a shot by Igor to make it a 3-0 lead. Sure, you could say it was a two-on-one. Can't really blame Igor on that part. It was a great shot by Wilson, but knowing him, that's probably one he does want back. 
Nicholas Albay-Cobell would add another goal after another turnover in the Rangers' zone. Eager would have to see through a sea of bodies, but again, he probably could have stopped this one. The Capitals were dominating this game for all, and that's how it would remain. Nobody else would score in the third. The most eventful thing that would happen in third would be Jimmy VC dropping his stick in the defensive zone, skating all the way to the offensive zone to challenge Albay Kubel to a fight after he hit VC a few seconds prior. Albay Kubel said after the game he was challenged by Jacob Truba but knew better and settled with VC instead. Charlie Lindgren ends up winning this battle against his brother, stopping all 31 Rangers shots to preserve a 4 0 shutout victory. Surprisingly enough, the Rangers outshot the Capitals 31-29, to and if I remember correctly, the Rangers did have a similar amount of high-danger chances. The story, though, was that the Capitals took advantage of theirs. The Rangers had their first losing streak of the year, and put it into perspective, it's December 13th. We're about, like, mid-December, just past, like, the quarter mark of the season, and the Rangers are in their first real rut of the season. However... Every loss the Rangers had in regulation has been bad at this point. Now, I was on Twitter. I saw a fair amount of discourse attacking Igor. Oh, he's bad. He's letting in some soft ones. Too many rebounds. I will concede this. Igor definitely is not playing up to his standard. And I said that in the intro. I would not say, however, at this point that he was playing bad. His save percentage after this game was still 908. Oh my god, what a fucking nightmare! That's okay, but not Igor's standard. But if there's one thing that Rangers fans are, it's reactionary. And the next game would not help cool those flames. In fact, it would only fan them. The next game was the next day at the Garden against the Los Angeles Kings. LA is having a pretty good season so far. One of the top teams in not just the Pacific with the Golden Knights and the Canucks, but one of the top teams in the West. They had not lost a game on the road in regulation heading in, and they were coming off an OT loss to the Islanders, however. In net was backup Jonathan Quick, getting the nod against his former team. And if he wins this game, he then would would have been every team in the NHL. Also, Goodrow came back to the lineup, and as I said before, it was not his tooth on the ice. It was a piece of his jaw, and he's going to have to eat liquid foods for a whole month. I still don't know how he loses a piece of piece of his jaw not his tooth but geez anyway the first period was uneventful nobody scored the most notable thing that happened was the puck almost went into the king's net after it took a weird bounce around the glass and king's goalie phoenix copley went out to play it and it almost rolled into the net that and jacob truba laid an awesome hit on trevor moore to stop an odd man rush at the doorstep not only did he poke check the puck but he laid a nice hit hit on moore Oh, I got to correct myself there. Now that I think about what side of the ice I was on, that was in the second period. Well, I'll get to the second period in a little bit. The Kings outshot the Rangers 9-5 in the first period. But again, on to the second period. The Rangers would draw first blood shortly after the Truba hit, if I'm not mistaken. Mika Zibanejad on the power play put the Rangers up 1-0 at 827 into the second. And the Rangers would add some insurance from Jimmy Vesey after Nick Benino jumped in the air to stop a clearing attempt, then sent the puck down low to Vesey, who put through the legs of Copley to make it 2-0 Rangers. They would carry that lead into second intermission, and the Rangers outshot the Kings 11-2 in the period. You know, very happy Zibanejad scored there, but not really shattering the power play merchant narrative for him. Now, in the third period, chaos ensued. On a Kings power play, a Kings goal was waved off after Pierre-Luc Dubois was called for cross-checking Lindgren in front. 
However, on said cross-check, the ref also called Lindgren for embellishment because there's no way a guy can knock you down after cross-checking you in the back, right? Well, the Rangers would kill off the, re the remainder of that power play, but then after Vincent Trocek call got called for an interference to put the Kings on the man advantage again, chaos ensued and there was a scuffle. As they were sorting out the penalty or penalties, the referee just randomly hit Mika Zibanejad with a 10-minute misconduct. Still, to this day, we don't know what the hell Zibanejad said to warrant said misconduct. Then on the power play, 16 seconds in, Quick got into a shoving match with Kings forward Quentin Byfield, the second overall pick after Alexi Lafreniere. They both got hit with matching penalties, and Kevin Fiala of the Kings got hit with a 10-minute misconduct. Both penalties, I mean, both penalty boxes were full. And about a minute later, Philip Deneau, who left the game briefly after taking a puck to the face, put home the pass from Adrian Kempe in a wide-open net to cut the deficit to one on the power play. The Rangers would get another power play a few minutes later. The problem was power play merchant Zabanejad was still in the penalty box serving the 10-minute misconduct. Stepping into his place was Johnny Brodzinski, and at 11.32 in the period, Brodzinski skates into the slot to receive a Trocek pass, and he rockets the shot, falling on his back by Copley to give the Rangers the two-goal lead again. Johnny B stepping up when his team needed it, him to, and he's got six points in seven games with the Rangers so far this season. They just had him stashed away in Hartford, and if I'm not mistaken, the Trocek assist... That gave him, if I'm not mistaken, 21 points in 17 games at the time. And any Ranger fan old enough to remember the 2014 Cup Final will tell you, do not sit back on a two-goal lead on the Kings. Carl Grundstrom had a prime opportunity shortly after the 3-1 goal. He rips a shot from the circle, and this thing was a piss missile. But there to answer was Jonathan Quick, who com committed robbery with the glove to preserve the two-goal lead. And Will Cooley would add another greasy rebound goal at 15-24 to put the Rangers up by three. Will Cooley, who was drafted by the Rangers after the Rangers traded Lee Sanderson to the Kings for a second-round pick, which was used to draft Will Cooley. And the Rangers won 4-1, and Quick gets the win against his former team, stopping 25 Kings shots. And as I said before I started talking about this game, this didn't exactly, you know put out the flames of a potential goalie controversy. For those of you who are not familiar with hockey statistics, any safe percentage above 920 is considered elite. Quicks is at 922, and he has an 8-0-1 record with two shutouts. Sure, he is, in my eyes, a Hall of Famer with two cups under his belt, but we thought he was entering his twilight. But the Rangers would have been happy with a 900 save percentage from their backup. After the shaky preseason, Quick has been everything the Rangers wanted to be and more. Still, this is Igor Snet. He has not found his game yet. He had a big test in front of him with the Toronto Maple Leafs on Tuesday. What a statement it would be for him to get back to his game against the Leafs. Austin Matthews, who came into the game tied for the league lead with 19 goals. Alongside him, William Nylander tied for 7th in points with 37. Not to mention, like... Guys like Mitch Marner, who was a stud. John Tavares, who in an overtime loss to the Islanders the night prior, picked up his 1,000th NHL point. And in that for the least was Martin Jones, who was basically an emergency call-up. 1-1-0 and a 6.23 goals against average. Oh my god. Oh my. Well, the Rangers had the advantage of goal, it seems. The Rangers 
But the Rangers were without Keandre Miller, who missed this game due to personal reasons. Not sure what's happening there. Hopefully it's nothing too serious and Miller's doing okay. And sure, Toronto has a lot of firepower, but this is Igor's get-it-right game, right? Nope. And I'll tell you, I have defended Igor profusely, and I will prelude this with this. Yes, the Rangers skaters did not come out to play. They came out completely lethargic in the first period. And it showed when they went into the first intermission down 4-1. to one. The Leafs outshot the Rangers 11-3. to three. Well, that is true. And while that is not Igor's fault, he did not do himself any favors. Now, the first goal by Austin Matthews, it was a beautiful move by William Nylander on a delayed penalty by Blake Wheeler. He held on to the puck after being bumped entering the zone, got around three Rangers. He hit a streaking Matthews breaking in. I can't fault Igor completely, or really any goalie there. Matthews has arguably the best shot in the league. The second goal, however, there are absolutely no excuses for. Sure, there were some buys in front. However, it was not exactly a strong shot from Connor Timmins. He just flung it from the point, and Igor just flat out whiffed on the save attempt. The first goal, okay, cut you some slack. The second one, no. That put the Rangers in a huge hole. And Blake Wheeler would get the Rangers on the board 35 seconds later. Chaos ensued in front of Jones, and on a clearing attempt, it went right to Wheeler's stick, and he put it past Jones. The third goal from Keller Arncrook, after Tyler Bertuzzi and company peppered Igor with shots, John Tavares got a shot off that rebounded to Yarncrock, who put, was not picked up by any defenseman, and he backhanded it into the empty net to make it 3-1. Sure, it was chaotic, and you can say an assignment was blown when Yarncrook was all by himself. But the shot from Tavares was not exactly strong. You would like to see your world-class league goaltender swallow that up and freeze the puck, but he didn't. It rebounded right to Yarncrook, and he put it away. I would like to think Igor, when he was on his game, despite the defense not exactly helping him, freezes that puck to preserve the one-goal deficit. But he didn't, and now it's 3-1. It only got worse 30, 21 seconds later. After a bad pinch by Truba, Matthews hit Marner down low where he had a gaping net to make it 4-1. Now, who would keep watching this game despite my favorite team playing like, like absolute dog shit? Me, of course. Second period to my surprise Igor was still in net the Rangers played way better this period as they outshot the Maple Leafs 15 to 8 however most of the time they were not getting through and Jones was playing great there was a sequence when he robbed Tyler Pitlick at the doorstep there was another one where he stopped Nick Bonino on a breakaway Jones looked more like Igor Shesterkin than Igor Shesterkin it was not until 1430 left in the period not 14.30, 4.30 left in the period. After Yankees, Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo were shown in the Jumbotron. That was the loudest the Garden was. Mika Zibanejad put home a shot in the power play to cut the deficit to two. The power play merchant he is. There was life at MSG again. Assisting the goal was Artemi Panarin, now with a 12 consecutive point game, 12 consecutive game point streak at MSG. That assist was also the Breadman's 700th career point. He's the third fastest undrafted player in NHL history to reach 700 points. It took him 617 games. Only guys ahead of him are Hall of Famers Peter Stasny and Adam Oates. Now, about two minutes later, after Igor made an incredible save on Bobby McCann at the doorstep when the Leafs broke in on an odd man rush, Truba and Zibanejad hit a streaking Blake Wheeler who rocketed a shot by Jones to make it 4-3. Holy crap, it's a one-goal game! There is no quit in New York. Wheeler, in one game, doubles his goal total. His best game 
of the season so far. He was pretty quick at times, the old geezer. And the assist from Truba on this goal was the 300th of his career, or 300th point of his career. The third period starts, and it's not good. Just over a minute gone by. The Leafs get a 2-on-1. Igor robs Mishmar with a pad, but the rebound goes to, a Tyler, goes to Tyler Bertuzzi, who has a gaping net. And sliding in his way is captain Jacob Truba. Holy crap, they are destined to come back. Wait a minute. Immediately after, Eric Gustafsson got called for an interference on Marner to put the Leafs up on the power play again. And Peter Laviolette was incest over this penalty as it was a questionable call. Ryan Lindgren called it a bad call. It seems like Ryan Lindgren called a bad call after the game, rather. And it seems like Gustafsson and Marner just got tied up with each other. And unfortunately, the Leafs took advantage of it immediately. Off the faceoff, Marner deflected a shot from the point by Morgan Riley to make it 5-3 Toronto. Then nothing much happened until under nine minutes left. Ryan Lindgren got hit hard in the chest by Jake McCabe. I can put my fandom aside here. It was a clean hit. Very hard. Principal point of contact was the body. Lindgren can't put himself in that situation. See, Devils and Penguins fans? It's not hard when you actually watch the sport on a regular basis and not just when the team is good. Then the, a scrum that ensued. Mika's Zibanejad, of all people, stood up for Lindgren. My initial thought was, what are you doing? You're going to get hit with an instigator. You can't do that when you're down by two. Well, he didn't, but he still got hit with an extra penalty. The Leafs would not be successful on this power play. Igor stood tall at a chaotic moment to preserve the deficit at two, but Matthews would put the dagger in with under three minutes left. The initial shot was blocked, but came right back to his stick, and he bit, beat Igor cleanly. Probably another one Igor would want back. David Camp would add another one shortly after. The Leafs would come out on top 7-3. to three. Another bad regulation loss, and Igor was in net for this one again. He was badly, he was absolutely dejected after this game. He told reporters, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. Literally, that's what he said. Quote, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. And now that we're all caught up, we're in prison death. Yes, you can point out that the team plays much sloppier in front of Igor than they do quick. I certainly agree. At the same time, some of the goals from this game, you just look and are like, where is the real Igor Shosturkin? Will the real Igor Shosturkin please stand up? I repeat, will the real Igor Shosturkin please stand up? We're going to have a problem here. Now, his save percentage dropped to 902. His goal against average is 302. And normally I don't look at goals against average. I feel like that stat is misleading because it does not take into consideration the volume of shots a goalie faces in those games. But Igor has given up four goals or more in seven of his 17 starts this season. Now, the ne next week, the games on tap before I catch up with you are the Anaheim Ducks at the Garden on Friday, a rematch with the Bruins in Boston the next day, and then a rematch with the Maple Leafs in Toronto, Ontario, Canada on Tuesday. Then the schedule only gets tougher. Now, thankfully, the Rangers did themselves a favor by building themselves this cushion at the beginning of the season. And again, it's December. You could be a little... Maybe there's not a reason to be too concerned about Igor, considering it's December. In February, if he's still playing like this, you definitely need to be concerned. But teams like the Islanders, yes, the Isles, are closing in. They sit six points behind the Rangers at 13-7-7. Seven, seven. Clearly, it's because they have more loser points. I'm not exactly sure they're a team that 
will stay there in the long run, considering their competitive window with this core is all but close. Still, don't want them to pass you. But heading into a back-to-back against Anaheim and Boston, what's the com- goalie combination you go with these games? Do you go with Quick against Anaheim, Igor against Boston, Igor against Anaheim, Quick against Boston, Quick's a hot hand, and maybe you go with him for both? I pers- Me? I think it goes sense to go with Igor versus Ducks and Quick versus Boston. Now, the Ducks are in second-to-last place in the Pacific. They have talent with the likes of Trevor, Zegris, Troy Terry, Leo Carlson, and so forth. You know, young guys. But they're so young, they're still learning to win at this level. They kind of remind me of the Ottawa Senators in a sense that the talent is there, but the maturity is not. And Frank Vitrano's on that team, so you know he's going to score a goal that night. The Bruins, the top team in the East, along with the Rangers, Quick has already won against the Bruins at Madison Square Garden this season. However, Quick did allow four games, four games, four goals that game. In his nine starts, Quick has allowed four goals or more three times. However, unlike the Shesterkin starts where he allowed four goals or more, the Rangers offense actually came to play. They scored four and lost in the shootout to the Wild. They scored seven against the aforementioned, against the aforementioned Bruins. And they scored six against the Sharks in a 6-5 wins. Now, normally, you would go with your number one goalie against the top team in the Eastern Conference, but with Igor's struggles, Toronto probably was not the team to have a get-right game against, and you could probably say the same for the Bruins. Now, Anaheim might just be that for him. Then on Tuesday, with a rematch against the Leafs, it'll be an interesting decision if Quick comes out and flashes a leather against the Bruins. But if your number one goalie is not playing up to par, and your backup goalie's doing fantastic, you know what, that is, that kind of is a good problem to have. I mean, it's not, it's still a problem. Your goalie isn't performing, your number one goalie isn't performing up to par, but still. Thankfully, the Rangers have the best goalie coach in the league in Ben Waller. Maybe a couple games on the bench and a little more time with Benny will help Igor figure out why he's not playing like the real Igor Shesterkin. Yes, you can blame the skaters in front of him for some of the goals he he has allowed. The fault lies with both the skaters and Igor. The skaters have left them hung out to dry numerous times, but Igor has been pretty inconsistent. Not the game-saving Igor or game-stealing Igor we are used to. You know what, though? It's about time the Rangers realize they can't rely on a goalie to win games all the time the way they have the past couple decades. If they can play in front of Igor like they do in front of Quick and Igor gets back to his old ways, then maybe having him in net will just be a luxury to have. And if he figures it out, maybe in January, February, March, we're all laughing about this. Now, before I wrap up, I'm going to point this out. When Adam Fox was out, the defense didn't falter. Gustafson stepped up, and for the most part, the Rangers weathered the storm defensively without Fox. We were worried about that losing Fox would lead to a tailspin defensively, but it didn't. We were not worried about losing Kapokaka and what that would mean, given that he really has not put up anything offensively. But I think we could see now just how valuable he is on defense. Sometimes he played a little bit too conservatively. But if there's one thing you can't fault him for, it's for being a good, defensively sound player. And Philip Heedle still has not made his return. Well, I think Trocek should stay in the top six with Lafreniere and Panarin. There, you happy, Uncle Joe? You're right about that. I think the return 
of a two-way forward like Hedl will definitely help this team defensively and on the five-on-five. In the meantime, they need to tighten up in front of Igor and figure it out until those guys come back. If they come back, Laviolette was asked about, you know, he was asked about Hedl this past week, and he said, I think he'll return. I think he'll return. Don't sound that confident there, Petey. Until then, the Rangers need to figure it out. Hopefully Miller is back this weekend after dealing with that personal issue. I think having him gone definitely did not help the Rangers, but the Rangers definitely need to figure it out in the game against the Ducks because the schedule the rest of December is going to be a tough road ahead. I'm not going to bore you too much with the prospect report this week. All I can say is this. Laviolette was asked if he's followed Gabe Perot's awesome start so far with Boston College. And Laviolette replied saying he has his own personal scout there. His daughter. <laughs> How funny would it be if Gabe walked up to her at like a party or before class or whatever and tried to pick up on her only for her to say, I'm your future coach's daughter. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Hopefully, if that happened, hopefully the Rangers will not have a Dean Youngblood Murray Chadwick situation. <laughs> Watch Youngblood. Great hockey movie. The Zach Daniels reviewed it. I helped him review it. Also, Zach gets some blame for the loss to the Leafs tonight because he placed a wager on the Rangers. And, you know, that set out the bad juju. But anyway, if you made it this far, thank you very much for listening. I'll check with you guys next week. Hopefully the Rangers get back to get this back to being a positive episode next week. This is Jackknife. Have a wonderful night, everyone.